Welcome to the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the steel city. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name's Mike Collins-Williams. I am the CEO of the West End Home Builders Association. I am new to Hamilton. I started in the role about 14 months ago. I was previously with the Ontario Home Builders Association, uh, working at a provincial level, uh, focused on provincial planning and housing policy. Um, had a great opportunity to come here to Hamilton to lead an organization with uh, 300 member companies. We are based in Hamilton and our membership sort of stretches across Hamilton and Burlington. Uh, we represent the new home building industry and that is a diverse industry with a cross section of different companies. So it is everything from those builders uh, that are building new communities at the edge of the city to small infill builders building uh, funky cool projects downtown or in emerging areas to high-rise builders building towers along the future LRT line, um, along the Burlington waterfronts, or uh, at GO stations. Uh, so it's really a diverse industry that, that our association, the West End Home Builders Association, represents. And myself personally, I'm a, a professional planner. Uh, went to Ryerson University with the planning program there, and I just have an intense interest and love for architecture, urban design, transportation planning, and, uh, and city building. I'm new uh, to Hamilton and I'm really excited about this city uh, and about the, the opportunity that the role that this job presented. I'm very much an urbanist. It's, it's a bit different moving to from you know a large uh, metropolis, uh, the fastest growing city in North America to a medium-sized city that's still in Toronto's orbit in terms of sort of the, the financial might, I would say, of, of the banking sector, the real estate sector, and, and the tech industry. And um, I think that's an interesting aspect of this role that, you know, Hamilton is not an island onto itself. It is part of the fastest growing region in North America. And I think traditionally Hamilton and, and Toronto had sort of been two separate entities. But in terms of the housing market, in terms of transportation planning, you know, with the with the new go coming to West Harbor Station and, and the future electrification that will actually speed up the commute times between the two cities, we're becoming much more integrated as one regional uh, economy. And I think that this region, the Greater Golden Horseshoe, is becoming an economic powerhouse in North America uh, and for the world, for that matter. And what personally attracted me to this role in Hamilton is, you know, Hamilton's got incredible bones. You know, the street network downtown, arguably, I think ha Hamilton has, you know, the most interesting built heritage that survived some of the, um, I think, planning failures of the 1970s that, you know, decimated a lot of cities across North America. Um, and, you know, Hamilton included, we've got our fair share of parking lots, but there's a lot of really incredible built heritage um, that I think arguably might be, you know, the top in Canada, perhaps besides, you know, Quebec City or, or Montreal uh, in, in terms of the amount of interesting built heritage. We've got the LRT coming. We've got such incredible anchor institutions with the hospitals, McMaster, Mohawk, 
Um, you know, there is so much going for this city. And then you combine that with the population growth, we're attracting the best and the brightest from around the world. And that is something um, that is both a challenge and an opportunity. I mean, the opportunity is the growth, the people that are choosing Hamilton. They're choosing to live here. They're choosing to be educated, work here, raise their families here. But there is a yin to the yang, and I think we'll get a little more into that um, uh, in the discussion today. But growth does bring challenges um, in terms of the infrastructure that needs to be built, um, keeping up with the growth in terms of um, maintaining quality of life with, with services, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think the, the biggest topic uh, this year is going to be housing affordability and, um, you know, the runaway housing prices that is, have emerged due to the growth pressures. I think urban planning, I mean, to me, it's, it's the most exciting possible thing to be interested in or uh, involved in, especially in a, in a region that's growing as fast as this. But planning's about people, planning's about community building. It's sort of a bit of a jack-of-all-trades in that community building and city building is complicated. I mean, it's everything from structural engineering to social planning to you know, environmental planning, affordability with housing. There are so many different cross-sections and, you know, multidisciplinary interests that are, are um, that come into basically building a city. It's, uh, you know, and there, there's a lot of different threads that you need to be able to pick up on. You know, tw- 20 years ago when I graduated, there were, I think, 30 people in my graduating class. Um, you know, planning has become a field that a lot more young people are getting interested in. So Waterloo, Ryerson, U of T, I think Mohawk's got a, a program as well. There's a lot more young people getting involved in urban planning. My, my personal interest has always been housing, um, also transportation planning, you know, looking at how to, how to move goods and people across large urban regions, and that's especially important right now in Hamilton uh, with the LRT coming. Um, and it's not just about the LRT. The LRT is sort of the spine of the network, but then you sort of build that out over the BLAST network, having all-day two-way go coming into the city, future go stations on the opposite side of the city as, as the province puts more funding into the Niagara connections. I really see cities as a living, breathing organism. There, there are so many different aspects to it, and, you know, you have your trunk arteries like like the LRT, but then you have, you know, all of the other aspects and complicated systems. And if you push one button here, it affects something over there. If you pull a lever over here, it affects something over there. So, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences that come into planning. Uh, and there's a lot of intended consequences, but it's, uh, it's an interesting field to be in. So I'll start from 30,000 feet. There is a Canadian Home Builders Association uh, that is from coast to coast, St. John's, Newfoundland to Victoria, BC. At a national level, we're one of the largest industries in the country. In Ontario, uh, there's an Ontario Home Builders Association. It represents over $50 billion in economic activity, 300 or so thousand jobs. You know, the home building industry there's the jobs on the construction site, there's architects, there's engineers, there's all of the logistics of the transportation bringing uh, materials to the site. There's a lot of different puzzle pieces that go into uh, building a home 
there's all of the jobs on site and then there's all of the downstream jobs from all of those appliance makers, manufacturers, uh, suppliers, whether it's roof shingles, whether it's um, insulation. Um, so there's a lot of economic activity uh, generated by our industry across the province. I think the other thing that's interesting is if you think of you know the auto manufacturing, it is important, but there's a couple big auto plants and a couple individual communities. Uh, if you think about the home building industry in Ontario, we stretch from Ottawa to Windsor, Fort Erie to Thunder Bay. We're in every single community. The jobs are local. A lot of the materials are local. Um, although the bricks, those come from Ontario aggregates, all of the concrete, Ontario aggregates, all of the wood uh, that goes into building a home, that's Ontario forestry, some from Quebec, um, but it is a hyper-local industry. You can't pick up the plant and move to Mexico or move to China. We're, we're here and we're local. So getting down to the local level, the West End Home Builders Association, if, if you're a, a builder or a, a small company involved in the industry, you join at the local level, automatically become a member of the provincial and national, so we're an integrated network from coast to coast. So the West End Home Builders Association, we, we used to be the Hamilton Halton Home Builders Association. We, we've um, been around for 80 years. We started out as the Hamilton Home Builders Association, very focused just on Hamilton, um, sort of expanded as the Hamilton Halton at uh, one point, and, and now as the West End. I, I think the name really reflects that we are one integrated region. Uh, we do have neighboring home builders associations in Brantford, Niagara, and, and BUILD is sort of the GTA, uh, but we sort of represent the, the west end of this uh, Golden Horseshoe, Hamilton, Burlington, and um, a lot of our members are, are active in some of the surrounding communities as well. So uh, I think the name reflects the geographic diversity. And then the members, we, we have 300 member companies, about 60 of them are builders and developers. And the balance is everything from media companies to appliance manufacturers, trades. Um, it's, it's, as I said earlier, there are so many different companies and businesses involved. Uh, in Hamilton alone, we represent about 20,000 jobs. So it's a huge industry and uh, proud and excited to be part of it. So what makes Hamilton exciting is it is a real city with history with heritage, it's got great bones, it's got a lot of anchor institutions that I mentioned earlier. It has uh, a couple of the ghost stations, uh, West Harbor in particular, uh, with the all-way, uh, two-way um, transportation connecting it to the region, and uh, Metrolinx is moving towards electrification, um, which will make the transit service even more frequent and faster, uh, which, which is critical for jobs, economic development, and, and integrating us uh, into the region. Uh, the LRT is going to start construction soon. That is tremendously excited, and it is a massive injection in capital, and I would say confidence from the province of Ontario uh, and from the government of Canada in the future of Hamilton. So that is, I think, what is exciting uh, about downtown. Um, it is also a city that has traditionally been affordable for families. People can settle down here, have a patch of grass, have a backyard, a barbecue, um, and, and be part of uh, an exciting, dynamic community um, where there are local jobs, where there are local opportunities. Um, 
So there's the local opportunities and then there's the, the integration to the broader region. And Hamilton's growing tremendously. Right now we have uh, just over half a million people in Hamilton. Uh, that is expected to grow to 800 and uh, just over 800,000 people um, by 2051. That's a significant increase. And, and Hamilton is not an island onto itself. Uh, we are part of the fastest growing uh, region in North America. Today, the Greater Golden Horseshoe, the region that we're part of, is, is just over 10 million people. That's expected to grow to just under 15 million people by 2051. And these are kind of big numbers here, but when you think about it, that's the equivalent of the entire population of Greater Montreal moving here. So um, being involved in real estate and, and development and city building, it's an exciting time. Hamilton's going to have a whole new skyline emerge over the next decade or two. But that growth does bring challenges and pressures, and we are definitely experiencing it here in Hamilton with uh, the rapid escalation in housing prices over the last uh, couple of years. And unfortunately, I think that's causing some challenges for young people. Uh, it's causing some economic displacement. And um, we really need to get all levels of government and industry rowing in the same direction together to, um, to combat this, uh, you know, I, I'd use the word crisis. We are in a housing crisis. There's no silver bullet and there's a lot of work to be done. The housing crisis that we're in is primarily being caused by a massive imbalance between housing demand and housing supply. Um, to put it very bluntly, and this isn't just in Hamilton, this is across the broader region, we are not building nearly enough housing to meet the growing demand uh, and population increase. This area, Ontario, uh, from 2010 to 2015 grew by 600,000 people. From 2015 to 2020, that same region grew by a million people. So not only are we growing, but the growth is accelerating. So how did the housing industry respond? We basically built the same amount of housing the first half of the decade versus the second half of the decade, about 38,000 more units, which is, which is a drop in the bucket. So if you're going from 600,000 to a million and you build the same amount of housing, basically, well, you can guess what's going to happen to housing prices. So this started before the pandemic. It really started in about 2016 um, when a certain somebody was uh, elected south of the border. A few different things happened. The federal government changed immigration policy around non-permanent residents to try to attract the best and the brightest from around the world um, to our post-secondary institutions. And we also changed some of the, some of the programs to bring in skilled labor. Uh, these are good things, to bring in the best and the brightest, to bring in skilled labor. But unfortunately, at the local and provincial level, the policies didn't really change to allow the housing industry to respond. Uh, so I don't want to get too technical with, with planning policy, but you know it takes a very long time to get housing approved. And planning is inherently political. There's been a lot of debate in Hamilton about how our city should grow in the future. And, you know... Healthy debate is great, but these people need to go somewhere, and they're not all going to fit on a couple parking lots in downtown Hamilton. We need to grow up, meaning taller buildings. That, that skyline of Hamilton is going to change over the next decade. We need to build out along the LRT at GO stations and other nodes and corridors around the BLAST network. 
we're going to need to grow in. That means our neighborhoods are going to change. Hamilton is full of neighborhoods that are single-family detached homes only, and that's all that's allowed. It's basically illegal to build a semi-detached or a triplex. Uh, it's a term known as exclusionary zoning, where essentially we are excluding housing options, and for that matter, excluding a lot of people from the ability to afford a home to purchase or to rent in a lot of Hamilton's um, neighborhoods that are well-connected by transit. And we do need to grow out. Some greenfield uh, expansion is required to accommodate the 236,000 additional people that are going to be calling Hamilton home by 2051. I'm actually concerned some of the long-term forecasting has uh, underestimated population growth. We are forecasting for failure because the forecast which underpin how many housing units are planned have missed the mark the last uh, decade. The previous couple rounds of forecasts, according to research done by the Smart Prosperity Institute and Mike Moffitt, missed the mark in the GTA and Hamilton by 120,000 people over the last decade. And this is partially because of the federal policies that changed to bring in more international students. Um, so if the base data that we have is missing the mark on how much we need to plan for, well, this is contributing to the housing price escalation because there are more people than there are homes. This is sort of what I would call a cruel game of musical chairs. A house goes up for sale in a neighborhood. I mean, we've seen it all over Hamilton that any time that there is a, a resale house, there's a bidding war. So, you know, multiple people are circling around that chair, and when the music stops, um, one person's going to win, the person with most resources, and there's another five, six, seven, eight people that bid on that house, and, um, well, tough luck. And this is happening all over Hamilton, all over our broader region, where there are too few homes for sale and too many people looking to purchase them. So these bidding wars are driving up the costs at, at a rapid pace, um, and, and there's a lot of, I think, angry, frustrated people um, that just can't access the housing market. So what's happening to these people? It's, it's a bit of, uh, you know, on that musical chairs analogy, it's, it's sort of this, this cruel game that's being played and there's greater displacement. You could practically draw a line from the CN Tower and, and you've got people from Toronto that can't afford Toronto. So, you know, they're going, moving to Hamilton, they're moving to Barrie, they're, they're moving to Ajax and Pickering, you know, the next ring out. They're driving up the cost of housing there. They're displacing locals from there that are now moving further out. So you've got, you know, some wild statistics from 2021. The fastest growing places in Ontario are not the big cities like Toronto, like Hamilton, like Ottawa. They're places like Tilsonburg, Collingwood, Belleville. All of these smaller communities, about 200, 250 kilometers outside of downtown Toronto, are the fastest growing and the most rapidly escalating prices, these places were never planned for growth. They don't have the infrastructure, the schools, and, and they are under incredible pressure because people are frustrated and they are willing to drive until they qualify for a mortgage. And they're willing to drive vast distances. So we have a, a massive demographic shift occurring throughout southern Ontario 
that nobody planned for, that nobody expected to happen, and it's a bit of a mass exodus of young people, in particular young people with families that are, you know, looking around their one or two bedroom tiny condo and realizing, yeah, we've got a second kid on the way. This just isn't going to work. And they can't, you know, um, a decade ago, they, they might have moved to a townhome or, or a, a single detached house in Hamilton, but that's now unattainable for a lot of people. So they're looking in Tilsonburg or Owen Sound or St. Thomas, Ontario. And, and I think the pandemic has made that move all the more possible with remote work. Um, you know, people can commute to their job in Hamilton or their job in Toronto once or twice a week and work remotely the balance. So we'll see how this all shakes out. But this exodus started before the pandemic. The pandemic just accelerated it. And um, there are massive shifts occurring in this province right now. So the last two years have been um, a challenge for everybody. The residential construction industry uh, was also experienced a wave of uh, change. I think some change coming into the post-pandemic world is likely permanent. But there were a lot of issues that occurred over the last couple of years that really affected how housing's built, our supply chains. The supply chains are still disrupted in the early days back in March, April, and May of 2000, when the pandemic first hit, our industry was briefly shut down. It was one of the first industries to open back up as an essential service because people do need a roof over their heads in a pandemic period. Also, just from a health and safety perspective, you can't have giant pits in the ground. Um, you know, so the construct so. What happened is essentially new homes were not able to start construction, but those that were already under construction had some pretty strict health and safety laws imposed on them. We had timelines stretched out so you could start earlier in the day and end earlier in the evening so you could have less construction workers on site at the same time and kind of spread them out. You know, construction for the most part is occurring outdoors, so it was a little safer from that perspective. Timelines all got stretched out. There were tons of delays. Timelines stopped. It's, it's interesting. The Planning Act, the Construction Act, our industry is dictated in many ways by timelines. Certain things trigger after 90 days or 180 days. All of those timelines stopped. Uh, so there was a period of time where, you know, the whole system was designed on timelines and nobody thought that there'd be a big button pressed that said pause and then the pause button gets pressed and it's like, Oh my God, what do we do now? So it was an interesting period where um, we really were all in this together, that industry, municipal governments, provincial government, all worked diligently to sort of make the system work. So there's no silver bullet to solving this housing crisis with affordability. It's, it's going to take a lot of very different solutions. Some are big ideas. Some are small things just sort of chipping away at the edges, and some of it's related to innovation in construction, and some of it's related to sort of the, the regulatory and legislative environment. So I'll start with some pretty cool stuff on the innovation side. You know, looking to Europe and other jurisdictions, uh, there's been a shift away from concrete construction, more to mass timber, cross-laminate timber. This is essentially building more with wood. And this is not a stick frame 
house built on steroids. It is using different innovative technologies to build much taller structures out of wood. Uh, the exciting thing with building out of wood is you can build faster. It is a renewable resource, and it is a form of carbon sequestration. Wood essentially consumes carbon as it grows, and this is fantastic for our region, for our country, for the world, really, to shift more towards wood frame construction. Uh, because on the flip side, concrete actually is a major source of greenhouse gas emissions in terms of the actual manufacturing process. So that is exciting both from an environmental climate change perspective, also from an affordability perspective, because building faster reduces costs. Uh, and it's just it's, it's an innovative product where you can do a lot of different things. You know, in the last couple of years, <laughs> wood has certainly increased in cost with some supply chain disruptions. But, you know, looking at a longer term lens, uh, we're hopeful that that will come back down to sort of a, a much more normal pre-pandemic level. On the regulatory and legislative side, the planning process just takes too long. You know, there's no reason why bringing new land into the urban envelope and uh, proceeding through multiple layers of planning approvals should take a decade or more. And that is seriously how long it takes to bring a new greenfield community to uh, reality. On the intensification high-rise side, uh, it still takes years. So if you are um, an entrepreneur, a private sector developer, and you want to acquire and assemble lands near a future LRT station or GO station, again, it can take years and years to get through the official plan, zoning, site plan. There are multiple layers of planning approvals. And look, we need to have a regulatory environment to uh, protect people and property and, and environmental concerns, but we need to figure out a way of moving through the process faster. The province just brought together a housing affordability task force in December. Uh, they released a report in February with 55 recommendations. Um, some of these recommendations are, you know, scratching at the surface, and some of these are real systems change uh, that may take a while to implement but the whole idea here is how do we change the processes to make them more innovative so that we can deliver more housing supply to the people of Ontario faster and increase the total volume of housing supply. Ontario over the last decade has averaged, you know, in a good year they'd build between 65 and 75,000 housing units. Last year we hit 100,000 for the first time since the early 80s. So this is good. We are making some progress. But we need to be able to continue that pace and the Housing Affordability Task Force has suggested over the next decade just to bring equilibrium to the system with the amount of growth and population growth that's coming that we need to build about 1.5 million homes over the next decade, which is a massive challenge both from the planning approval side, from the labor side. Uh, we do need to bring more skilled trades uh, to actually build the new communities. So challenges ahead, but there are a lot of great ideas as to how to condense the amount of time that it takes to build new housing, uh, to chip away at some of the tax environment. You'd be surprised to know that between 20 and 25% of the cost of a new home, it's just taxes. We've got development charges, planning fees, community benefits charges, uh, cash in lieu of parkland fees. Then you go to the provincial level, you have a land transfer tax, you have the provincial portion of the HST, 
which is significant when you're charging 8%. And at the federal level, you've got the 5% GST. Uh, there were some rebates in the early 90s, but the cost of housing has got so high that those rebates are essentially meaningless. So, you know, when people are thinking about, you know, how much it costs them to buy a new home, well, consider between 20 and 25% of that's going to straight to government. And that, you know, doesn't even cover the cost of land, the cost of labor, the actual materials. So, you know, we've got a lot of challenges. And, and my hope is that this spring, we've got a provincial election coming up. I am hopeful that all political parties take a good hard look at the recommendations of the Housing Affordability Task Force and incorporate some of those recommendations into their platforms and that we can have a, a good debate amongst the party leaders as to how we tackle the housing crisis and and let's be forward thinking let's not make small steps or small plans let's let's be bold and really address this because there's a lot of young people that are frustrated and struggling there's a lot of new Canadians that have picked up their lives from the other side of the world they've come here to be educated and work and, and, and try to live a better life and they can't afford that great Canadian dream let's let's make that great Canadian dream of home ownership accessible and a realistic dream for all Canadians. I'm excited for Hamilton's future. I think in many ways we are headed in the right direction, but I think there are some warning signs. Talked about housing affordability, housing attainability for, you know, your average middle-class person to just even be able to afford to live in this city. Um, Those are the cautionary warning signs. And if we screw this up, we will have squandered the potential of this great city um, because if people cannot afford to live here, um, young people are going to leave. And that is not, I think, the future anybody wants for this city. However, if all three levels of government start working together, rowing in the same direction, working with industry, you know, it is a big shift. You're not going to snap your fingers and solve the problem overnight. It is going to take a while. It's going to take hard work. And in some cases, it may take politically unpopular short-term decisions to reach our long-term goals and objectives. I'm very excited for the Hamilton LRT to break ground and start construction in the coming years. I think that the change in downtown Hamilton is going to happen more rapidly than anybody expects. I mean, there's going to be a few years where it's a construction mess. <laughs> That's just reality. City building is a messy, dirty process. But when that line is complete, there is going to be so much greater transit connectivity in the city. And that's going to bring that public sector investment and vote of confidence from the federal and provincial government is going to bring a lot of private sector investment. My members of the West End Home Builders Association are prepared to invest not just millions, but billions of dollars in private sector investment around that LRT line to build homes for people, uh, to build new office space. And when you bring people into the downtown, it, it's kind of the opposite of what we saw in some of our, our American neighboring cities like Detroit, where there's a downward spiral. This, this is about an upward spiral. When you bring in people, they're going to want to go to the cool coffee shop down the road. They're going to want to go to the bar that they can walk to up the street. They're going to want to see bands locally. So 
you create a thriving community where there is going to be even more investment. You create a stronger culinary scene, a stronger entertainment scene, a stronger art scene. So I'm very, very excited for the long-term spin-offs of what this LRT line is going to create. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the West Harbor Go, uh, the future electrification of the Lakeshore West Go line that is going to create greater connectivity throughout our city. What density brings, what people bring, what connectivity bring is it's kind of the world's spiky in some ways where density and people together bring about greater levels of innovation, greater levels of venture capital, investment, and then you create even stronger institutions in the city, be it our, our tech sector, be it the, the hospital or advanced manufacturing. So if we get the affordability piece right and we continue to attract the best and brightest from around the world, because um, we, we are in a competition with other cities, we have to realize that Hamilton's not competing next door against Brantford and not necessarily competing next door against Mississauga or Toronto. We're competing against Austin, Texas. We're competing against Boston. So we have to make sure that we are city building and we are creating the conditions to attract and retain talent. There's a lot of puzzle pieces there. Hamilton's got a lot going for it, but we really do need to keep an eye on the, uh, the housing affordability piece. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.